Welcome back to Your Lux Ran Out. I am your host, Julius Lux, and we're going to continue with the first episode of our podcast. We're going to start off with the MLB Hall of Fame, perhaps one of the most controversial ballots I have ever seen. The world had quite the reaction when they saw David Ortiz get in his first ballot. Congratulations to Big Poppy, Slugger, absolutely phenomenal player. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, Kurt Schilling did not get in in their final year in the ballot, meaning they are not eligible to be elected into the Hall of Fame. Bonds, as you know, is the most home runs of all time. Clemens has the most Cy Youngs won by any pitcher in MLB history. Sammy Sosa is in the 600 home run club. Kurt Schilling was a great postseason pitcher. So why is the world freaking out? Performance-enhancing drugs has been a huge, a huge issue with the Hall of Fame voting over the years, especially with guys like Bonds, Sosa, McGuire, all these guys that have been proven to doing these steroids, to doing any sort of performance enhancers. They've not gotten in. They played in an era where it was so common, players are getting criticized for it, even if they didn't do it, or if they weren't tested positive for it. But I'm going to start small and then work my way big on my take on this whole entire Hall of Fame voting process, if you want to call it that. My smallest issue, um, I see some of these guys that get below 5% of voting, and if you get below 5% of votes in the MLB Hall of Fame voting, then you can't be eligible for the future ballots. I'm not saying some of these guys are Hall of Famers at any point in their careers, but they have such respectable careers, it's like, how can they be below 5%? This year, Mark Teixeira, one of the best switch hitters of all time, excellent defender at first base, below 5%. Tim Hudson, solid arm for some time, an ace for that 2001 A's Moneyball team, Lower career ERA than some Hall of Famers, such as Jack Morris. Less than 5%. And it sucks to see a guy like Prince Fielder who got robbed from an injury, his career totally blown because of that neck injury, that neck surgery that took him out completely out of baseball. Can't be eligible. Not saying these guys are Hall of Famers. I'm just saying out of the respect, it's just like, dang, you know? It's just like, really? Like, Bernie Williams and Jorge Posada were part of a Yankees dynasty, and without them, the Yankees weren't where they were in the 1990s. And you still don't let them get above 5% of the votes. You can't vote for a guy who has almost comparable numbers to Ted Simmons. I'm talking about Jorge Posada. Bernie Williams, one of the best center fielders in the American League in that era. Excellent player. He batted third for that 1990s Yankees team. Five rings for Posada, four for Bernie. I'm not saying World Series should determine about it, but they were major components to that dynasty. I'm not saying they're Hall of Famers, but they're definitely respectable for above that 5% mark. I had the pleasure to go to the 2020 Hall of Fame induction when it was supposed to be Derek Jeter. Now, it wasn't in 2020. It was held this past September. It was delayed, obviously, due to COVID-19. And I got that as a graduation gift from my high school. It was just like, you know, save this. I want to go to this. That Hall of Fame ceremony was amazing. It was something that really brought back the love of the game of baseball for me. When I stopped playing baseball, I held like a grudge. I was like, you know, screw baseball. You know, you didn't work out for me. I wanted to be a major league baseball player all my life. That week while I was in Cooperstown brought back the love for me. And a big part of it is I was sitting with Pete Rose. I met Pete Rose, the hit king, and Reggie Jackson. Pete Rose was talking to me and my dad. And he said, it should not be a hesitation if you're a Hall of Famer. You shouldn't be voting for a player 
one year, and then the next year you vote for him. Just because to have somebody you vote for. You can vote for 10 players. Obviously, people don't take all the 10 spots, unless you're generous. Here's a great example. Scott Rowland barely got 10% of voting in his first year on the Hall of Fame ballot. This year was his fifth year eligible. 63%. You need 75% to get in the Hall of Fame. He gained 10% more votes than he did the previous year, his fourth year. Eight gold gloves, solid defender at third base. The way it looks, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Another player, Andrew Jones. 400 home runs and 10 gold gloves. He is a Hall of Famer. He barely got 5% of the votes in his first years on the ballot. This year, 41%. That's a 7% jump from last year's voting. Debatably one of the best outfielders in that era, that 1990s era, where you had Griffey, you had Sosa, you had Bonds, you had Sheffield, many more. Played in the early 2000s as well and excelled. They criticized him because of that second half of his career when he gained so much weight and was basically a DH. Billy Wagner has 422 career saves, which is sixth all-time amongst closers. Hall of Famer. I mean, come on. 51% of the votes this season. 51% of the votes this year. Jeff Kent, most home runs by any second baseman. The second base position in baseball is traditionally not known to have power hitters at that position. It really isn't. He also had a career 290 batting average back when that statistic mattered. He has an MVP. He's a Hall of Famer. He didn't even get one-third percent of the voting this year. Todd Helton is a tremendous hitter. Played his entire career with the Colorado Rockies, and he is criticized for playing Coors Field, a park where hitters are known to succeed way more than any stadium in Major League Baseball, perhaps. He hit 290 on the road, just about 290, which is pretty solid. A Hall of Famer. 52% of the votes this year, he jumped 7% from last year's ballot. Kurt Schilling was a solid pitcher especially in the playoffs. Diamondbacks helped them win their first title with Randy Johnson. Unbelievable duo. Helped the Red Sox win their first World Series for the first time in 86 years. Is he a Hall of Famer? Very debatable. I mean, I strong consideration for a Hall of Famer. And he came out and said, like, don't vote for me. He was open about it. He just seemed to not care. So I guess that cost him. I think it cost him. He, he dropped down in the votes this year. This is where we start getting into the real issue. Anybody who was affiliated with performance-enhancing drugs in the Major League Baseball, you either all get in or you all don't. You either are all in or all out. Mike Piazza was a suspect to do those. He's in the Hall of Fame. Pudge Rodriguez, suspected of doing roids. In the Hall of Fame. Ortiz was on the Mitchell Report in 2003. Oh, but he gets in first ballot. Bonds and Clemens had like 60% of the votes this year. Why aren't they in the Hall of Fame if Ortiz gets in? His name was on the Mitchell Report, David Ortiz. Bonds gets in with the most home runs of all time. He also holds multiple records. Clemens, most Cy Youngs, and I'm pretty sure he's about third all time in strikeouts. Gary Sheffield should get in. 292 career batting average and 500 plus home runs. Manny Ramirez quit twice and pulled some weird stuff when he was caught. 555 career home runs. Probably one of the best right-handed hitters I've ever seen. Just pure. Beautiful swing. Alex Rodriguez. More votes than Jeff Kent, Sammy Sosa, Omar Vizquel, and Manny Ramirez. 
He was the first to be suspended for a full 162-game season. Multiple controversies with roids and performance-enhancing drugs. Had a whole case with the guy supplying him. However, he's one of the best hitters of all time, if we look at him without the steroids involved. Almost 700 career home runs. If we allow these guys who are, you know, suspicious and suspected of performance-enhancing drugs, they most likely did it if you think they did. They dodged Ortiz's case. He's a likable guy. The writers love him, and they base their votes on personal feelings on players rather than their legacy. Some of these writers I heard don't even cover baseball in some of the years they bring in. It's crazy. David Ortiz's last season was perhaps his best season. Not saying he was on anything, not accusing. But my goodness, if you're going to dodge a report just because Big Poppy is such a likable guy, Alex Rodriguez is a likable guy right now, not when he was playing. PEDs is obviously going to kill his shot in getting the Hall of Fame. But he got about a third of the votes to get in. Got to get 75%. He's at that 33% mark, which is not a bad start if he's going to make a case with what he has already on his plate. Any non-baseball fan can also look at Alex Rodriguez and be like, yeah, I know him. You could know him as a guy who played for the Yankees. Pretty sure any non-baseball fan can at least know who the New York Yankees are. The team with the most titles by any sports franchise. You can know that he was engaged to Jennifer Lopez or whatever they were. You know who Alex Rodriguez is. But you don't know who Jeff Ken is. You don't know who some of these guys on the ballots are. Guys that didn't do any sort of performance enhancers. But because you know the name of Alex Rodriguez, you vote for him. Because you like David Ortiz. The guys that don't really cover baseball the way guys like Jeff Passan and other guys do. They don't know. And it's just like, really? The Veterans Committee is clutch. The Veterans Committee is clutch. Helps people who don't get in, get in. Another, basically a second life. I'm not saying guys who did performance enhancers should get in. Honestly, I'm opposed to it. You cheating? You don't deserve to be enshrined into the Hall of Fame. It's a disgrace. If you hit the most home runs, most strikeouts, whatever, and you did roids or any sort of performance enhancers, I don't think you should get in. It should be a punishment if you were suspended or maybe admit that you did PEDs that you shouldn't get in the Hall of Fame. You shouldn't be enshrined into legacy. You shouldn't. Ortiz getting in, I believe it's fair to say they get in now because they're all in or all out. You let a guy on the Mitchell report get in. Not a positive test. Was false. Sure, I bet. Ivan Rodriguez looked like the Incredible Hulk when he was with the Miami Marlins. Lost all that weight a couple years later. I was just trying to save my knees because I'm getting older and as a catcher, I need to... Yeah, I get that. Like, great, great, great idea. I love Padre Rodriguez. Don't get me wrong. I love Ivan Rodriguez. Great, great defender. Great catcher. Great player overall. Like, he's a Hall of Famer. He is. He was never proven guilty. He never was. But if we're going to let these guys get in, you might as well let Bonds, Clemens, Sosa, whoever you want to call a PED abuser that really, really pushed their way through get in.
it's just how I see it at this point. It's either you let them all in or out. I don't know how many times I got to say it. I really don't. You have up to 10 votes, as I mentioned before. You can vote for 10 players, max. Before the ballot, where I would not vote for a PED user whatsoever, I'm going to tell you who I would vote for. Andrew Jones, Billy Wagner, Todd Helen, Kurt Schelling, Jeff Kent. If I'm feeling generous with the remaining people on the ballot, because I vote for one, two, three, four, five guys. I vote for five guys, but if I'm feeling generous and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to vote for 10 guys, just for the heck of it. Scott Rowland is on the fence there. I'd give him there. Mark Burley, because, you know, he pitched a lot of innings. He's a workhorse, ace for the White Sox, World Series champ, perfect game, no hitter. He makes a case. Is he a Hall of Famer? No. Does he have a shot in the future? Honestly, perhaps. You see the innings pitched and the game started in his lifetime. You will not see that again. You won't with the way starting pitching is in baseball. The innings limited for starting pitching and the more usage of bullpen arms, you won't see it again. And honestly, I would vote for Tim Hudson. I would give Mark Teixeira a vote, and I would give Joe Nathan a vote. But those are guys that I probably would not vote for. I'm just saying if I was to be generous and vote 10 guys for the, the heck of it, those five guys I just named, Roland, Hudson, Teixeira, Nathan, and Burley, I would vote for them if I was feeling nice. Now, my ballot with allowing steroid users or any form of PED guys after seeing Ortiz get in. I'm going to still stick with Jones. I'm still going to stick with Wagner, Helton, Schilling, and Jeff Kent. Now, I'm voting for Bonds. I'm voting for Clemens. I'm voting for Alex Rodriguez. I'm voting for Gary Sheffield, and I'm voting for Manny Ramirez. Depending on how I feel, too, Andy Pettit. Andy Pettit is one of the best postseason pitchers ever. He was accused of PEDs. He admitted it to taking it for healing his injury in his arm. Dependable guy for that Yankees rotation, especially in that dynasty. I would vote for Andy Pettit over Kurt Schilling, honestly. But Kurt Schilling is a better regular season pitcher than Andy Pettit was. Postseason, it's very debatable, but Andy Pettit has a lot of those records. Andy Pettit is a guy you won on the mound game one of the World Series. He is. He's just a guy in your rotation that says, this guy will get it done. This is a guy that is dependable and will show up and give you what he can give you. The best he can. I do not vote for Sammy Sosa for basically one reason. He dodges that steroid usage so much after his postseason. He had that interview and he was just saying, oh, we're finished here. We're done with this interview. I'm not answering the question. Have the balls to answer it. At least Mark McGuire went on national TV and said, yes, I did steroids. Yes, I used any sort of performance enhancers that I used in my career. Sosa hit above 600 career home runs. It ain't no joke of a career he had. Be a man and say if you did. If he didn't, you know what? Fine, I'll eat my words. But the way he makes it look and the way he was suspected of it, there's no way he did not use them. Had to. Another thing. If the Hall of Fame wanted to let the PED guys in, they could use some sort of icon on the plaque like Bob, Bob Costas said this one time, or even on the wall to let people know that this player was affiliated with performance enhancers. They have like a little icon under the plaques in the Hall of Fame if any player served in the U.S. military. It's beautiful. Like, it, it's honestly great that they recognize that. I'm not saying this at the same level, but at least you can do the same thing. You can put a little icon and say, this guy was involved with performance enhancers, or some little symbol to, re to recognize it. 
I believe that's it's it's fair. Because now people are going to see David Ortiz's plaque on the Hall of Fame, and they're going to be like, wasn't he a part of the Mitchell Report in 2003? Yeah. Why isn't Bonds or Clemens not in? Oh, they got caught. Roger Clemens won a Cy Young at the age of, like, 41. Who does that? It's just crazy how they can let those suspects get in, especially just based on their personality. David Ortiz is a very likable guy. I met him once. Super nice guy. I told him I was a Yankee fan just to mess with him. He laughed it off. It was hilarious. Big Poppy. The life of the life of the party in a way. Just a very happy guy. Great career, no doubt. He tormented my life as a child. I'm a Yankees fan. He tormented my life as a kid. But you still gotta respect him. He's a great player. 500 plus career home runs. Not an easy thing to do, obviously. But when you're suspected to use something that has been a controversy in the sport for years, it deserves some sort of punishment or some sort of boundary to where, yes, they can get in, or no. They deserve to be punished because if Pete Rose is being held away from baseball as well as the Hall of Fame because he gambled, when MLB Network is putting DraftKings and FanDuel as sponsors on their network and such, you're not letting Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, the guy who has the most hits all time. But you can let guys who are suspected of doing drugs and steroid users and whatever into the Hall of Fame. It's a shame. It is. Something needs to change. I don't know how. I'm just a fan. I'm just an observer. I'm just ranting right now. I don't know how. But I'm telling you right now, something has to change. Now we're going to move on to the NBA All-Stars. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, they're both named captains. So the East and West All-Stars, LeBron, of course, manning the West, Durant representing the East. We're going to go through each player that was named. I'm going to name a few stats. I'm a big stats guy, big numbers don't lie kind of guy. I love my numbers. I hate math, but I love the numbers. I just like looking at them. I can look at stats all day if I wanted to. It's just so, it's so fun. But LeBron James, of course. 29 points per game, nearly 21 field goals attempted. This is the first time he's averaging 20 field goal attempts since the 2009-10 season. But who can blame him? He's got no help. This is his 18th appearance. Unbelievable career. It's no doubt. He's definitely one of the best players of all time. Debatably the greatest. I still got Jordan. The rest of the West starters along LeBron James. Nikola Jokic, his fourth appearance. Stephen Curry, his eighth. John Morant, first appearance. And this is the one I applaud the most. John Morant is having a phenomenal season. Over 26 points per game, which is seven more average than last year. Just under six boards and under seven assists a game. He's shooting 48% from the field and 34 from three. And he improved from 30% last year. Andrew Wiggins making his first appearance. This is an interesting one. Averaging just above 18 points per game. Shooting 48% from the field. I'm happy for Andrew Wiggins. I really am. He deserves it. Starter, you can make the argument for Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, even put Luka at the three, but honestly, you know what? Give it to him. Give it to Wiggins. Like I said, shooting 48% from the field. He's averaging a career high in three-point percentage, which is 41%. You know what? Give it to him. I want to see it, and he deserves it. He's in the right system, playing for a great coach in Steve Kerr, playing with Stephen Curry, I mean, the greatest shooter that ever held the basketball. Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, just an absolute playmaker, as well as a guy that just is a, is a true leader. He really is. A lot of passion. Over the top sometimes, sure. But you know what? I would take Draymond on my team than anybody. And for the East, playing alongside Kevin Durant, even though we don't know that Kevin Durant's playing. 
because of that sprained MCL. Kevin Durant, though, is averaging 29.3 points per game on 52% shooting. Just doing Kevin Durant things. The best offensive force I've ever seen in my life. Like I said before in part one of the episode, I haven't lived to see some of these guys play. Some of these great offensive scorers or these great offensive playmakers. But Kevin Durant, something special. I just He's been credited by guys like Kobe Bryant much more as the most unguardable player they've ever seen. 12th appearance for Kevin Durant. If he doesn't play, we'll see who will replace Kevin Durant in the starting lineup. Giannis right here, 6th appearance, nearly 29 points per game, 11 boards. He's just phenomenal. You know the Greek freak doing his thing, just adding more to the resume he's already built, which is insane if you look at it at his age. Joel Embiid, to me, the MVP so far in the league. 5th appearance, 29.1 points per game, almost 11 rebounds. Averaging a career high and just over 19 field goals attempted per game. A guy that's really recognizing his talent. He's always been special. He knows he's always been special. But the fact that he's applying it all day and all night, unbelievable player. Um, Trey Young is starting his second appearance. Lit it up against the Suns last night with 43 points. He's averaging nearly 28 of the year. DeMar DeRozan, a guy we can all applaud for this season. Absolutely incredible what he's doing with the Chicago Bulls. Having them number one in the Eastern Conference right now. No one saw it. A lot of people were questioning with the Bulls' moves of acquiring Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan was a good fit. They got Nikola Vucevic as well as Zach Levine over there. And you know what? They're doing just fine. They also added Alex Caruso for the bench. They're doing just fine. DeRozan's fifth appearance in the first since the 2017-18 season, averaging 26.5 points per game. To the East Reserves, Jimmy Butler, sixth appearance for the Miami Heat, nearly 22 points per game. Darius Garland, a guy we got to all applaud. Stand up, standing ovation for my guy here. First appearance, nearly 20 points per game, over eight assists, 46% from the field. He's leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers to a shocking season. Cleveland's put together a team that might be quite the team to watch in the future. I'm just saying. James Harden, 10th appearance. This one is a very interesting selection. I'm not saying James Harden's not an all-star before I get that clear. The stats we see from James Harden are typically not what we see from James Harden, which is why it's a little interesting for me. I'm not saying he's not an all-star once again. It's his 10th appearance, 22.5 points per game, the lowest since his 2011-12 and 12 season as a sixth man for the Thunder. Just over 10 assists, lowest three-point percentage in his career at 33%. Lowest field goal percentage since his rookie year at 41%. Lowest field goals attempted since the 2011-12 season as well. It's very interesting, but we'll move on for now. Zach Levine, second appearance, almost 25 points per game, 48% from the field. Having a great year as always. Chris Middleton, another interesting one because a lot of people are saying, you know, he doesn't deserve it, but Chris Middleton's a solid player. 19.5 points per game. He's shooting 38% from the field, which is the lowest than the last two years when he was shooting over the 40% mark, but he's attempting more threes this season. 44% from the field, which is the lowest since his first appearance as an all-star. Jason Tatum as well is making his third appearance, just under 26 points per game. A guy that a lot of people are crediting as the next face of basketball. They really are. Fred Van Vliet, first appearance in his career as an all-star, leads the league in minutes per game. He's a workhorse, averaging 21.5 points per game, shooting 39% from three, 41% from the field. He's the first undrafted all-star since Ben Wallace in 2006. Good for Van Vliet. I'm very happy for him and the Raptors. The West Reserves, Devin Booker, third appearance, over 25 points per game. He's playing like an MVP. Luka Doncic, typical Luka year for him, 26, 9-9, nine nine, third appearance. 
Rudy Gobert is making his third appearance as well. Career high 16 points per game. He leads the league with just over 15 boards, shooting 70% from the field, adds 2.3 blocks. He's a three-time defensive player of the year. He's in there for his defense. The guy just puts his hands up and it's going to get blocked. Dude is just an unbelievable defensive force on the inside. Draymond Green, fourth appearance, his first is the 27-18 season. You look at the stats and it's just under eight points per game, seven rebounds, and seven assists per game. Career high 53% from the field, though. They are using him perfectly. Not too many shots. He's knocking them down when he gets it. A lot better shooting from Draymond Green over the years of his career. Honestly, good for Draymond. And like I said, absolute leader, absolute mentor to the younger guys. Passion, heart, he wants it. He's a guy I would love to have on my team. All-around player, does everything that you can ask for in a basketball player. Donovan Mitchell. A lot of guys making their third appearance. He joins that club. 25.5 points per game. Chris Paul, 12th appearance in his career. Unbelievable career he's having. Averaging a double-double so far this season for the first time since 2015-16 season. Playing like an MVP as well this season. He's in the top five in early voting for some people. So who are the snubs? Who are the guys that probably got robbed? Jared Allen, 16 points per game, over 10.5 boards, nearly 1.5 blocks, and shooting 68 from the field. Lamella Ball is just under 20 points per game, about 7 assists and rebounds as well. Improved tremendously at the free throw line, shooting 87% this year compared to 75 last year. Dante Murray is a guy that a lot of people are missing out on this snub. Close to 20 points per game. He leads the league with two steals, and he's going to add nine assists and eight and a half boards to his total, shooting 45% from the field. Tremendous season. Tremendous season. When you have Chris Paul, Stephen Curry, Luka Doncic ahead of you in that position, it's tough. It really is. Demonis Sabonis is putting up 19 points per game, 12 rebounds, 58% from the field. He's improved. He has from the last two years. He's made the all-star team. He has. He's just playing for Indiana. It's tough. They're having an awful year. They're going to rebuild, it looks like. I think they should trade him. I really do. But Sabonis should be in question for an all-star. Is he better than some of these guys? I don't think so. But I'm sure he'll be a replacement if any of these guys were to go down. God forbid. Jalen Brown isn't also an argument that, you know, his name was thrown around to be an all-star. Just over 24 points per game. 46% from the field. 35 from three. Six rebounds and assists, just about. He definitely is a guy that should be an all-star in his career sometime, somehow, some way. This year, I don't think so. If anybody is going to replace, it's Middleton. But I just it's tough when the all-star teams only allow like 12 to 15 guys a team. So many guys get snubbed. I mean, Damian Lillard was getting snubbed so many times. Some of these guys are just getting robbed, and it's just like, Really? When you get the same guys in the All-Star voting, it's just like, you know, you expect, you, you know who you're going to see in the All-Star game. You're going to see Kevin Durant. You're going to see LeBron James. You're going to see Stephen Curry, Joel Embiid, all those guys. You're going to see the same ones. I do like the NBA rosters this season for the All-Star game. I really do. I think they're all deserved. I really do. Kevin Durant's probably not going to play, so I want to see Jared Allen be on that All-Star team. I do. I believe Jared Allen is an All-Star. Dante Murray of the Spurs, like I said, he should be an All-Star. He's playing great. Amazing season. It's just tough. 
We're going to see who the replacements are over time because, God forbid, any of these guys, you know, can't make the All-Star game. I expect if I had to pick, Jared Allen should be the replacement, first person to be replacing anybody. And for the West, I would say Murray is the first person to replace anybody. That's what I believe. I believe they're both well-deserving All-Stars this season. So that's going to conclude my first episode with you guys. I'm very excited to get going. I hope you guys enjoyed. Hope you guys tuned in and really appreciated what I had to say. Agree, disagree. My Instagram is gotjuice44, my Twitter as well. Thank you for tuning in to Your Lux Ran Out, and I'll see you next time.